0: My name is Michelle and I will be your moderator for this class. Welcome to the Madison, Wisconsin School. This is a school and not a church and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit non-denominational religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year 1958. We hold classes in United States, Canada and certain other foreign countries. The Madison branch was established in 1987. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many, but we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that Elohim is a title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce a sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus or Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and his Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit. And in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a superincorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given in the salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of a holy name Bible. Also at this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary constitutional objectives and aims of the Institute are as follows. First up, you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know and understand, (laughs) the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. <coughs> Just please remember to mute yourselves. Thank you. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the dragon, the devil, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which is once delivered under the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained. There is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, save the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And 10th, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. Our scripture reading tonight will be John, the fifth chapter, beginning at verse 19 through the end, and that will please be read by Dr. Delilah Tucker of the Madison, Wisconsin School, and if we could start the evening with a prayer from Dr. Crystal Klaupach, I'm sorry, from the Madison, Wisconsin School. Thank you. Let's all bow our hearts and minds.
1: Thank you, Yahshua, for uh, the springtime and showing us that things go in a cycle and and things resurrect and come back. And thank you for
2: letting us learn about you and for giving us each other to lean on. Hallelujah.
3: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah reading uh, John the fifth chapter. I'm going to start at 18 if that's okay. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him because not only because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that Yahweh was his father, making himself equal to Yahweh. Then answered Yahshua and said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, the son can do nothing of himself, for what he saith the father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the son likewise. For the father loveth the son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the father raises up the dead, and quicken them, even so the son quicken whom he will. For the Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. But is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of Yahweh, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in Himself, so hath He given to the Son to have life in Himself, and hath given Him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man marvel not at this for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation i can of mine own self do nothing as i hear i judge and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the father which hath sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that beareth witness of me. And I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. Ye sent unto John and he bear witness unto the truth, but I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his life. But I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. And the Father himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape, and ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent, him ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you. That ye have not the love of Yahweh in you. I am coming my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. How can ye believe which believe? How can ye believe which receive honor one from another and seek not the honor that cometh from Yahweh only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For had ye believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words?
0: Thank you. Our readers tonight will please be Dr. Gail Josephson of the Green Bay, Wisconsin School and Dr. Andrea Volpe of the Oceanside, California School. And I will be a backup reader tonight. Welcome, everyone. We're glad to have you with us. We welcome all visiting brethren. And also, we have a returning visitor tonight. Welcome back. And we'd like to extend a warm welcome to any of those that are watching us on YouTube. With that, We will have our first speaker tonight be from the Madison, Wisconsin class, Dr. Alice Seward. Thank you.
4: Thank you. Um, It is a pleasure to be here and be together with the brethren to talk about well, I'm not much of a speaker. I can only talk about what I've been shown and have come to understand. Um, I'd like to go to the scripture reading. That's John. We Which- five and we started at 18. Did you pick it up or
2: John 5 and 18. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath but said also that Yahweh was his father making himself equal with Yahweh. Then answered Yahshua and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the son likewise.
4: Okay. so, um, And we've heard this before, where does it say, um, if I testify of myself, my testimony is not true.
2: Mm
4: -hmm. Um, He's been adamant that he's carrying out the works of his father. That's in verse 31. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Uh, There's another that bears witness of me. Um, But he is uh, very clear and later says to the apostles and they ask him Show us the Father and it sufficeth us. And he says, if I've been so long with you and you have not known me, and henceforth, if you have seen the Son, you've seen the Father. So we need to understand that the Son and the Father are one. But Yahweh's will is what Yahshua is carrying out. So the son can only do what he's seen the father do. Okay, go ahead.
2: And 20. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that himself doeth. And he he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel for the the father raised up the son raised up the dead and quickened them even so the son quickeneth whom he will
4: yes these are remarkable things not everybody's walking around raising people from the dead Mm -hmm. Um, but Yahshua did because he has he is the power of Yahweh. He is the Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, just go ahead.
2: 21. For as the Father raised up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. That's for, right. the, for the Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Right. That all right. Men... Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> okay, 23. That all men should honor the son, even as they honor the father. He that honoreth not the son honors not the father which hath sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, Hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life.
4: Really? The difference between death and life mm-hmm. hearing his word and believing on he who sent me is a life changing event. Mm-hmm. Totally changes your perspective on reality, on the meaning of this life and the experiences you have, um, how you view the creation. Everything changes when you receive this word. And it's through Yahshua the Messiah that this this mercy and this education is shared with us. And we can know that it is the Father which has sent him by the works he does. Go back, uh, if you haven't read it already, read 24.
2: Okay, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation,
4: but is passed from death unto life. So that's, that's the promise of everlasting life. Uh, abolishes the fear of death. And you shall not come into condemnation if you hear the word and believe on him that sent me. Then you shall receive everlasting life and not come into condemnation, but pass from death into life. Do you think the rest of the world understands just exactly what that means? No. You know, they don't know what the word is. I didn't know anything about the Godhead until I came into this class. I had the Trinity, which I just swallowed hook, line, and sinker and never did any research into the background of it. I like to think that if I'd learned it was a supernatural mystery that couldn't be understood, that I would have rejected it. But I was so dead and blind at that time. It was Joshua bringing me into class and opening up my eyes that made it possible for me to see, you know, the fallacy of what I'd been taught versus the truth that was being revealed to me. Um, So this promise of eternal life is a really big deal. And we take it seriously. I was in Chicago with a lot of you folks some weeks back now, and I sat down to lunch with some lovely people and a woman who was just joining us at the table, I said, how are you? And she said, I'm great. I know there's salvation Mm -hmm. and that just makes me feel terrific. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I just thought, yes, it is that simple and it is that true. We can just hold on to that understanding we've been given and stand in it because these are perilous times. Um, uh, Go down to 26. Okay.
2: Twenty six. For as the father hath life in himself, so hath he given to his son to have life in himself.
4: Yes, yeah, so we know that the son is the light, <laughs> the life. Um, you know, the very life of the world. And um, That is given to him, given unto him from Yahweh. Um, And then we move on to Yahshua saying, I can of my own self do nothing, which when I first heard it really shocked me. Mm -hmm. But then he goes on to say, as I hear, I judge and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the father, which has sent me. Mm -hmm you know, and the same goes for us. Sometimes coming into the world, coming into this class can changes your whole idea about prayer. And we know we don't know how to pray for what we ought. Mm -hmm. Um, Um... i lost my train of thought
3: you don't know how to pray for asstri
4: yes um i'm sorry uh oh thank you
5: roman said 26. Romans
1: 8, 26. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered.
4: And there's um, the fact that Yahweh knows our innermost, most completely hidden, even from ourselves, thoughts and perhaps mistakes in thinking and our infirmities, our points of weakness. And he knows all these things long before we would ever be able to put them into words to pray them, if you will. It's almost like on uh, Star Trek, the mind meld. <laughs> And uh, so we can rely on that, that He's interceding for us, knowing exactly what we need and where we're at. Um, feeling our pain and our struggles so that it is. Uh, with groanings that cannot be uttered. Um, You know, I believed that Mary made intercession for us. Mm
3: -hmm.
4: And it was coming down here uh, where I was taught that that's, that's not true. That's not to be found in the Bible. And uh, to learn that it's Yahshua who makes intercession for us and is pulling for us, if you will, to make it. Because he has created an adversary who is our adversary who can steal our very souls if we're not vigilant enough to call upon Yahshua to fight that fight for us. Because we have no hope of fighting against him on our own, with our own resources. Um, I don't really, I, I don't know what I was getting to and I apologize. It's just, um, getting over a bad cold and, um, I don't know that I have much more than this. Um, let's just go quickly back to the, um, scripture reading.
2: Okay. Um, That's in John, the fifth chapter. And I finished reading 26, and then you quoted 30.
4: Okay. Hold on one second. Okay. And then he talks about John the Baptist, who bear witness unto the truth.
3: Mm
4: -hmm. but in 30 pick it up in 34
2: okay but I received not testimony from man right go ahead but these things I say that ye might be saved
4: right go ahead
2: he was a burning and a shining light and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light
4: yes John was quite the character had a lot of magnetism and power in his personality. And he was assigned to herald the coming of the Messiah. And he baptized the baptism of repentance all of Jerusalem and uh, beyond. And we know that he witnessed to Yahshua when Yahshua came to him to be baptized. And he says, um, you know, I, you come to me and I need to be baptized of you. And Yahshua says, suffer it to be so now. For so it becomes us to fulfill all Righteousness. But Yahshua goes on to say in 36, if you will.
2: Mm-hmm. But I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me.
4: And we know that's because all the things he has done in his ministry have been the the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. It's the father himself who has sent him and bears witness of him. Go ahead.
2: 37, and the Father himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. You have neither heard his
4: voice at any time, nor seen his shape. He's borne witness of him. Think how many times in the law and the prophets, he describes his mercy for them. And his ultimate salvation of the children of Israel, whom he's had to put in bondage because they've gone so far astray. He has been painting the portrait of salvation since he laid it down in the wilderness of Sinai in the tabernacle pattern. He's been promising it since the beginning and his word will not come back to him void but will accomplish all all that he means it to. And he sent Yahshua into this world to manifest his salvation of us. But Yahshua says, you have not his word abiding in you for whom he has sent him. You believe not Mm -hmm. search the scriptures for in them. You think you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. So he's been talking about witness, but the father himself witnesses to him. And the scriptures witness to him. And you will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men. And neither do we. We're. uh, Motivated to preach this gospel and share this amazing. Amazing truth. The world doesn't want to hear it. You see how many times it's written that those who tell the truth are hated and resented for reproving the population. Um, Where are we at? Um, I've quoted a couple of them,
2: I think. Down through 41.
4: Yes, go go ahead, go from there.
2: 42. But I know you that you have not the love of Yahweh in you. I am come in my father's name and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive.
4: And look, the whole world. Or a big or a significant percentage of the world believes in Jesus Mm -hmm. and thinks he came to establish a way of life. That, you know, what would Jesus do? That you're supposed to act like Jesus and think like Jesus and. But Jesus, t- Joshua, that's the divine. And you're but a human. If there's going to be any messiah-like change in you, it's going to be through him, not through any efforts of your own. Um, go ahead.
2: 43, or we read 43, I'm coming in my father's name and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from Yahweh
4: only? For seriously, (laughs) once you know Yahweh is in you and that you're following your conscience, Um, then the honor of a, of a, of a person, I mean, the applause or accolades or admiration of other people doesn't mean anything to you. It, you know, it's like, we always say, we don't care what saith man. You know, we don't care what saith you, we care what saith Yahweh. At this point in time, he's got to be the only one we're concerned about. Pleasing. Um, And then he goes on to say, um, Gil, in 45.
2: Mm-hmm. Do not think that I will accuse you to the father. There is one that accuses
4: you, even Moses, in whom you trust. This is one of those things we just completely brushed right over and through in, uh, in Christianity, in Catholicism, without any explanation. But he's talking about Moses. Don't think that I'll accuse you, the father. There's one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. For if you had believed him, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. You know, just more evidence that the law and the prophets are all about Yahweh's salvation. And um, it kind of cements uh, the relationship between the two. And Yahshua himself says to the law and the prophecy, if they speak not of this, it is because there is no light in them. And then we come into the school and the founder says, we've got to prove everything he says. And where do you turn to prove it? But to the Bible. And to the vision that he had, which he justified through the scriptures, you know, all the way through. So I don't know. I'm afraid I uh, have rambled a bit and I apologize if I've uh, confused anybody. I'm glad for the time and I'll uh, take my seat.
0: Thank you, Alice. Our next speaker will please be Dr. Sasha Rachmelievich of the Madison, Wisconsin School.
5: Uh, good evening, everyone. Can you hear me well? Good evening Just again. Great. So I'm uh, glad to be here. I enjoyed what uh, the first speaker was talking about. And, uh, you know, she brought some points which were on my mind. And that's what I would like to, um, to talk about. Before going there, I would like to convey best regards from the brethren in, in Crimea. So every time I talk uh, to them, uh, I'm sending best regards from you and they would like me to do likewise to send you uh, their regards as well. So what was uh, on my mind? And uh, Alice uh, kind of brought it up, uh, she was talking that the whole Bible or the whole purpose is all testifying about purpose of Yahweh or about Yahweh's salvation. And I would like to talk about one very significant aspect of, uh, of this salvation. And uh, also the first speaker was saying regarding uh, the twenty fourth verse. Let's read verse twenty four from the scripture reading. Um, John five twenty four.
1: John five twenty four. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life.
5: Thank you. And uh, Alice, the first speaker said that, uh, uh, that the rest of the world uh, doesn't understand what it means. And I will try to show that it's actually uh, true because what's happening in the religious world concerning Yahweh's purpose that uh, people and i talk about people in christianity they really don't understand the extent of what Yahshua's done on the cross in this verse 24 he's saying that whoever believes uh, on yahweh will have uh, everlasting life and will not be condemned or judged and will pass from death uh, to life and that's what I want to talk about, because it's, uh, uh, it was on my mind to talk about sin. What is sin in Yahweh's purpose? Because that's what's uh, causing death from the spiritual standpoint, because the wages of sin is death. And uh, Yahshua's uh, purpose was to save uh, his people uh, from the sins. So I uh, I put together a PowerPoint presentation which I hope will be a, a simple and easy to follow. I would like to share the screen if I could. Thank you. So let me know if you if you see the sin oh, is scared. the word sin. That's what I wanted. So it's not a very popular topic because it can be sensitive uh, to some people, but it's important uh, uh, topic or important subject in uh, Yahweh's uh, purpose. So what I would like to talk about is what is sin and what was, uh, what Yasha accomplished by uh, his sacrifice. Uh, regarding sin and what it means to be uh, free from sin and if we're really uh, free from sin because they as I said and I will try to show it in the religious world they don't really believe that. So first, why knowing about sin is important in Ezekiel eighteen twenty it says the soul that sins it shall die. So it's very important because it's our creator is uh, speaking uh, through Ezekiel and he's uh, saying that, you know, if a person sins, this uh, person dies, his soul shall die. However, you know, it's not all bad news. There are good news as well. Can somebody... uh, Uh, read for me but if you could do it a little bit fast it would be great like from the screen like first corinthians 15 1 and 4 so paul is talking about the gospel he is defining the gospel of Yahshua the messiah
2: moreover brethren i declare unto you the gospel which i preached unto you which also you have received and wherein you stand by which also you are saved if you keep in memory what i preached unto you unless you have believed in vain For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that the Messiah died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that
5: he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Thank you. So this is uh, the gospel. The gospel is that the Messiah died, was buried, and he rose again. But why he did it? He did it for our sins. So what was... Uh, the mission of the Messiah regarding our sins. Before talking about this, we have to define what sin is. And uh, you may sin. well, it's it's a simple uh, issue. Actually, it's not. Uh, A short testimony, I remember being in the house of an Orthodox uh, Christian, Russian Orthodox uh, Christian, and uh, we had a conversation about sin, and I asked, what, "What? happens if I come to your house or any house, and I uh, walk, you know, in the room, and I didn't notice it's a toddler is playing on the floor, and I stumbled on the floor uh, upon this uh, toddler, toddler, and this or baby, and this baby uh, started crying. Uh, was it sin? Did I commit sin?" by making this uh, you know little child cry the answer i received yes it was a sin and i will try to show you that actually it's not so what is sin? let's go to uh, to the bible for the definition i will read some of them short one and i will ask you andrew or gail to read the longer ones if you don't mind okay so yeah, First John 3 and 4 says uh, that uh, sin is the transgression of the law. So that's what the sin is. And when we talk about the law, we talk about Yahweh's law because we're, talk, we're talking about uh, sin against Yahweh. That's what, what's important. Now, that's important question. Do believers sin? What do they think in the Christian world about it? So in the Christian world, they do believe and they teach that Jesus, as they call erroneously, the Messiah, uh, he died for our sins. They say it because it's in the scriptures. But what they mean is that he took the punishments of the sins upon himself and uh, he forgave our sins which is true, but it's half of the things which Yahshua achieved on the cross. So do the believers sin. Could you please read from the Catechism of Catholic Church? Um, each of the, yeah. Thank you.
2: Each of the okay. faithful bound by an obligation faithfully To confess serious sins at least once a year. Confession of everyday faults, venial sins, is strongly recommended by the church. And indulgence removes either part or all of the temporal punishment due to sin. The faithful can gain indulgences for themselves or apply them to the dead.
5: So the Catholic Church, they believe that all faithful or the uh, believers in God, believers in Jesus, they continue to sin and they have to go to confession to confess their sins. And as the way out of, you know, punishment, they sell indulgences. Mm-hmm. In the Middle Ages, if you know the history, the Catholic Church became very rich by selling indul- indulgences, not only for living. But even for those who are dead, mm-hmm. Now you may say, this is the Catholic Church, what about the Protestant church? What about the Evangelical Church, etc? So well, before going there, even Pope Francis goes to confession regularly, mm-hmm. so even the Pope is not exempt from uh, uh, living in sin. What about a Protestant church? So this is from the website of the famous uh, a Christian organization called Focus on the Family. They say all Christians wrestle with sin. Every Christian in the world wrestles with sin every single day of his whole life. And as an example, they uh, quote uh, Apostle Paul. Even the Apostle Paul complained, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not want what, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Romans seven fifteen, and we'll go back to Romans seven chapter and explain that it's uh, the quote is correct, but the understanding of what they imply. They imply that. Even Paul, who had the Holy Spirit, they really has a uh, conflicted nature. That's very wrong understanding. So, what did Dr. Kinley say about uh, sin? Please uh, read from the Dr. Kinley's transcript, but you know, try you know uh, to do it a little bit fast if you could. Sure, Dr. Kinley.
1: Now, after he died on the cross he died. Now, I want you to pay attention to what I'm saying, because we don't want to make a failure out of his ministry. We don't want you to misunderstand. We don't want you to misconstrue. He died to put an end to sin, and there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Read John, whosoever is born of Yahweh doth not commit sin. Now, we want that understood. Now, what is a sin in the first place? A lot of people don't know what a sin is. They think chewing tobacco and smoking cigarettes and drinking whiskey say that's what a sin is. Fred, see if you can't find what a sin is. And I think you'll find it's a transgression of the law. Yahshua, the Messiah, had died, resurrected from the dead, ascended into heaven, poured out the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and from there on, they were out of the sin and business, and we don't want you to have the impression that you continue on in sin. That's, that's That's what we're talking about. That is the one of these demonic spirits is setting up in you and the Holy Spirit. There's not room enough for both of them. If you notice on the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, if you had a glass and you filled it full of water, you couldn't get no more in it. Why? Because it's filled. And when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it is that Holy Spirit that moves out, moves the satanic spirit out.
5: Thank you. And a little bit from another transcript, 1965, Ignorance and Blasphemy.
1: Now, John said that he was manifested to make an end of sin, to get it stopped. So now, when he's offered up out there, there will be no more brother sinning against brother to have to go and confess all the time. That's why I said the confession business is all wrong. Now, have I made that clear? A man that has got the Holy Ghost in him or has got Christ in him definitely and positively does not sin against his brother. And not only that, he does not commit sin sin well somebody say well why don't he because his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin now they're saying you're going out there sinning against your brother and then running and confessing it to the priest out there and you're going right back out and doing the same thing all over again now that's nothing but just open blasphemy
5: thank you now you see that Dr. Kinley contradicts to what's written in Catechism of Catholic Church, where the believers have to go uh, to confession. Now people you know, who don't know about this organization can say, look, you know, he is a false teacher, because look at all these billions of uh, uh, people, of, of Catholics, uh, who, uh, who believe in what Catholic Church teaches. And who is he to stand against uh, the Catholic Church? But let's let the Bible be our judge. Who is right and who is wrong? Let's read what the Bible says. I will uh, I will read uh, from John 1:29. The next day, John sees Yahshua coming in, unto him and says, "Behold, the Lamb of Yahweh, which takes away the sin of the world." What did Yahshua himself said, John 8, 31 to 36? Then said Yahshua to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and we never in bondage to any man. How says you, you shall be made free? Yahshua answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Just think about it. Yahshua is saying that if the people and disciples or people will hear uh, his voice, they will be made free from sin because the son or Yahshua himself will abide in the house or in the soul of this people forever. And the Catholic church and Protestant churches say, no, you know, this those who uh, uh, believe uh, in Jesus, believe in the Bible, continue to sin. So the conclusion you can come up with, they haven't, Uh, uh, they didn't continue in his word and they don't know the truth they heard the gospel but it was not the true gospel therefore they still continue in sin 1 John 3 5 and 6 and you know that he talking about Yahshua was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin Whoever abides in him sins not. Whoever sins has not seen him, neither known him. And the last one, although there are more scriptures, and that's what Dr. Kinley quoted Whosoever is born of Yahweh does not commit sin, for his seed remains uh, in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of Yahweh. So I will. Uh, try to uh, explain uh, uh, Yahweh allows how it it works. Again, what is sin? Sin is a transgression of the law. So what was the first sin? So it will help us to understand. So if we look in this chart, we can see in the first plate, it's uh, showing the story of uh, Adam's transgression and we know the story that Yahweh gave Adam the law you shall not eat the fruit of the tree of good and evil because at the day you shall eat of it you will surely die now we know the story how Satan, a serpent deceived Eve and Eve gave the fruit to forbidden fruit to Adam, and Adam ate, and uh, therefore he broke the law, you shall not. And he sinned, and his conscience was condemned or sinned into, uh, into him. Now, what law are we under? Are we under the law of Adam? Why I'm asking this? because in the Catholic religion and Protestant religion, they teach that the people in, at this uh, time, they're still under original sin, which is sin of Adam. So why do they think this way? Because we can read it uh, in the scripture. Could somebody uh, read for me from Romans? fifth chapter
2: yep therefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned for until the law sin was in the world but sin is not imputed when there is no law nevertheless death reigned from Adam yeah, to Moses then why is comical relief not getting sued even over them that had not after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Right.
5: So it says that uh, the sin entered into the world with Adam and in Adam, all sin, all sinned. So he passed this uh, sin on condemnation uh, from generation uh, to uh, generation. And therefore, uh, people believe that we are under uh, Adamic uh, sin or under this original sin. And therefore, even now, so you see the sin is separating us from our creator. However, read after what, what's written uh, after that. It says that the death reign from Adam to Moses or until the law of Moses was into existence, or or from the uh, death of, uh, or from sin of Adam for 4,000 years, continue on.
2: But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of Yahweh, and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Yahshua, the Messiah, hath abounded unto many.
5: Thank you. And I don't read uh, more in Romans 5th chapter, but you can read more there and in First Corinthians, that in Adam, all many all died, and in Yahshua, many will be uh, made alive. So in other words, Yahshua, by his death, he atoned for the sin of adam he took it away so i'll try to show you and give you a, a one or a couple uh, examples so one of the examples which uh, comes uh, to mind again i you know i don't want to take whole time and i want to leave some time to uh, for another speaker but one of these examples in the third chapter of genesis you can read that uh, for the sins of adam the ground was cursed. And it's talking about the thorns and thistles will come out of the garden. And the garden is typifying the soul of the man, which will have condemnation and all unrighteous attributes. So what happened on the cross? You remember, they put the uh, crown of thorns on Yahshua's head. So symbolically, he took this curse of Adam or the curse of the ground upon himself. So he died for the sin of Adam. And that's what we read in John one twenty-nine. The next day, John sees Yahshua coming unto him and says, Behold, the Lamb of Yahweh, which takes away the sin, singular, the sin of the world. Talking about uh, Sin, another uh, illustration of this. Uh, uh, please read from Exodus 20 and five.
2: Exodus 20 and five. The next day Yahshua
5: see-
2: No, no, the next- I uh, Yahweh your Elohim am a jealous L, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children
5: and to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Thank you. So this is the part of this mosaic law of uh, 10 commandments to be uh, exact. And Yahweh is saying that he uh, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and the fourth generation. It's like the sin of Adam was transferred to the third and the fourth generation. Why it's to the fourth generation? Because after the the end, you know, or uh, after the 4,000 years passed in uh, allegorically four generations, Yahshua came and uh, he died for the sins. And from that time, when he ushered in the new covenant, this particular law will be abolished as we read in Jeremiah 31, 29, and 30. Please read.
2: In those days, they shall say no more. The fathers have eaten a sour grape, and the children's teeth are set on edge. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man that eateth the sour grape, his teeth shall be set on
5: edge. Right, so it's not going, people not going to be punished for the sins of the fathers. This is, been taken away and Jeremiah 31st chapter is a prophecy about this new covenant. So Yahshua is uh, put the end of this uh, mosaic law including this uh, so-called original sin he atoned for Adam. So, and in Matthew one twenty-nine, does it mean that we are not under the sin anymore? Uh, and what Yahshua is saving us from. And we read, And she bring forth the son, and thou shalt call him name Yahshua, for he shall save his people from their sins. It's already plural. Not talking about the sin of Adam. But all of us, we all have uh, sinned or sinned if we don't know the truth. And Yahshua uh, came to save us from our sins so what law are we under we're not under the uh, law of Adam are we under this law of Moses or under the Ten Commandments just I don't have time to go over this uh, uh, old law or Mosaic law uh, anymore but suffice be to say that this law was given by Yahweh Elohim Uh, through Moses to the children of Israel, and only to Israel. It wasn't given to the Gentiles on the first place, and secondly, it was given to Israel until the certain time, not forever, but until the certain time, as it says in Hebrews 9 and 9, until the time of uh, Reformation. So, we read in uh, Romans 8 and 2 that the law of spirit of life in Yahshua the Messiah has made me free from the law of sin and death. So Yahshua uh, died on the cross to took away this law of sin and death. Why it's law of sin and death? Because if you sinned, if you broke this, one of these uh, 613 commandments, you should be punished by death. And uh, this Old Testament laws, including water baptisms and uh, Lord's suppers, which uh, in uh, Christian world, they say it's a new covenant laws, but in fact, they are old covenant laws because they are physical and they are natural laws. Yahshua, nailed this old covenant, old law, mosaic law on the uh, cross, Colossians uh, 2, 14. So we are not under this mosaic law. We are not under the uh, 10 uh, commandments. Just read the seventh chapter, beginning of seventh chapter of uh, Romans to find out more witnesses about that. So are we, uh, what law are we under? Are we under the law of the spirit of life in Yahshua the Messiah? Yes, those people who hold the truth and uh, have the true faith in Yahshua the Messiah and receive the Holy Spirit or have been translated into this new covenant, we are under this law of spirit of life in Yahshua the Messiah. And the good thing about this law, among other things, that you cannot break this law because this law is inside of you, it's a part of you, and you cannot really uh, go against this law, as uh, John said, we read it in first John three and nine that he who is born of Yahweh uh, he doesn't sin because he cannot commit sin because the law Is uh, or the spirit is uh, in this person. The question comes, what law people are under when they don't believe in Yahshua? Because majority of the people in the world, they don't believe in Yahshua the Messiah. Before we came to this class, we didn't believe in Yahshua the Messiah. And uh, the uh, old covenant ten commandment law is abolished. But what law are we under? Why it says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of Yahweh in uh, Romans. Actually, I think it's a type, it's Romans 3, uh, 20, uh, 23. Please read from Romans 2, 14 and 15. Whoever is reading, help me please. For it. when
0: the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excusing one another.
5: Thank you. So the people without the law, talking about Gentiles, they have this law written in their hearts. And it's not a mosaic law, but it's talking about the law of conscience. So there is a law of conscience where people are under. And this law, what is uh, conscience? Conscience from merriam webster dictionary is a sense of consciousness, of the moral goodness, of blameworthiness, of one's own conduct, intentions, of character, character together with the feeling of obligation to do right or to be good. So it's kind of innate knowledge of, uh, or inner knowledge of what's good, what's bad. And when people are born in this world, uh, Yahweh gives people are born in this uh, knowledge, in the conscience, which people call it, you know, the still small voice or voice of, God uh, in them and in John 1 and 9 we read about Yahshua that was the true light which lights every man that comes into the world so every man has uh, given enough intelligence you know to know what's good and what's wrong and uh, understand as Dr. Kinley said and understand the Yahweh's purpose, so the people are without excuse. So, if you look at this uh, picture, so there is a conscience within our mind, and uh, when we are in this world, this conscience is under the rule of the satanic spirit, and satanic spirit is incarnated in uh, in people's. Uh, mind and the satanic spirit dictates to our soul what to do and what not to do and the people constantly violate their conscience how do i know that because the mosaic law especially the 10 commandments or so-called moral law it's nothing else but kind of breaking down one by one you know the conscience is like uh, conscience uh, uh, exemplified by, uh, by what's uh, written, you know, one, two, three, uh, four, uh, five in, in these commandments. And we read that no one was able to keep the Mosaic law, pointing out that no one is able to uh, have a clean conscience, not to violate this conscience. And violating this conscience or breaking the law of the conscience is sin. Let's uh, read the scriptures about it. Uh, Can help me, uh, please, scripture
2: readers? Jeremiah 17 and 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, hypocrisy having their conscience seared with a
5: hot iron like so those who believe those who are in the world their conscience seared with a heart of iron talking about violation uh, violating the conscience
2: mm-hmm.
5: and uh, uh just uh,
2: continue reading please and have made one blood of all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek Yahweh. And that's Acts 17, 26 and 27.
5: Right. and So I brought the scripture to show that Yahweh created the people with the purpose that they should seek Yahweh. So it's even in the conscience, he uh, he put the sense that there is some higher, something higher uh, authority, something like a uh, creator, so people would uh, seek uh, kind of for the missing self, uh, if you will, because even in the people know that something is missing in their life, and they try to replace it uh, with uh, with whatever it is, whether, whether it's work, whether it's uh, relationships, whether it's alcohol, whether it's hobby or whatever, but, you know, they just trying to run away from this, Answer or from the from seeking Yahweh, and for Yahweh, if people don't seek Him, it's a sin. But people cannot seek Yahweh uh, in the in their natural natural state because the satanic spirit would won't let them, because the satanists try to take people away from Yahweh. Please read uh, the quote from Psalms 14, 2 and 3 on the bottom.
2: Yahweh looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek yet Elohim. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy.
5: There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Thank you. So all people, they violate the conscience and they don't seek uh, after Yahweh. So what was the role of the Mosaic law? So Mosaic law... Let's uh, read from above, Romans 7 and 7.
2: What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Yahweh forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust except the law had said, thou shalt
5: not covet. So the law, Mosaic law, was given just to uh, make people without any excuse or to make uh, sin exceedingly sinful as it says uh, in another scripture. And you see this Mosaic law, it's not within the person, it's outside the person. It's just telling the person what he is supposed to do. He is not supposed to commit adultery, he is not supposed to covet, but it's not in the person. And the satanic spirit in the person saying, well, look at this woman, you shall lust for this woman, you shall covet. You shall do these things. Read the verse uh, on the the bottom, please.
2: Hebrews 9 and 9, which was a figure for the time then then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience.
5: Thank you. And because this uh, mosaic law was external, they could not make this conscience perfect. They cannot, they cannot help. They cannot free people from sin. Mm -hmm. And uh, just please please read uh, rather rather quickly. That's the state of condition of Apostle Paul. He writes about it, but it's all about us and the people uh, before they know the truth or if we don't know the truth.
2: For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of Yahweh after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death?
5: Yeah, listen to this word, and you know, try to, you know, apply. I can apply it uh, to to myself because I knew what was good and what was wrong because I had conscience in me, but I also knew that I wanted to do something which my conscience would say, it's not a good thing to do, but I would do it anyway. So it's uh, the soul, the mind was divided. Now, in uh, in the church in the Catholic church and Protestant church saying, look, Paul who had uh, uh, so much Holy Spirit and he's saying, this is his state and condition he lived in sin. What, what about us? So they don't understand that Paul is writing about him not after he had the Holy Spirit, but before he is describing his state and condition under the Mosaic law. If you read 7th uh, chapter and uh, beginning of 8th chapter, as we will. So read uh, the beginning of... Uh, just five minutes, Sasha. Reading.
4: Five minutes.
5: Oh, okay. Thank you. Just please read.
2: Yeah. Um, you want Romans yeah, 7? From- Just what's what you see on the screen. Okay. Um, your screen's gone. Sasha. Uh,
6: Sasha, you will have to reshare. I open it up oh, for you.
5: Oh. Okay. I don't don't know what happened. Because, or if you just tell uh,
0: me where you want to read, I can find
5: it. Yeah. Well, it's uh, the last chapter of uh, seven, uh, last verse of seventh chapter and beginning of uh, uh, its uh, chapter. In Romans. Just a second. No. In the Romans, Romans 7 and 25? Yeah. Just a second. I'm pressing all the wrong buttons now. <laughs> because uh, let's see. Let's tell me if you see this thing. Do you see it? Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. (coughs) Okay. Please read. There is therefore
2: now no condemnation to them which are in Yahshua the Messiah, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Yahshua the Messiah hath made me free from the law of sin and death.
5: Right, so you see, before uh, Paul is saying, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then he is saying, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Yahshua the Messiah. So he was saved by grace. Yahshua gave him his Holy Spirit, and now he has the law of the Spirit of life in him, but not uh, the law of sin and death anymore and i don't have uh, time to talk how it's uh, happening but if you read revelation uh, chapter 12 7 to 11 about the war in heaven how the angels were fighting uh, with satan and his angel and cast them down you will see it's pretty much saying that the satanic spirit is cast out from our mind and our soul by the preaching of the gospel of death, burial, and resurrection of Yahshua, the Messiah. So before having the Holy Spirit, as we saw, we have the Satanic Spirit uh, ruling our conscience, and we are sin-centered or self-centered because we have a conscience of uh, sin and our conscience is condemned. Now when the Holy Spirit kicks out the uh, satanic spirit and abides in our soul now it governs our conscience and it makes us do right and behave right and we don't even have the previous conscience anymore which we had before the Holy Spirit but it's even the higher level of uh, conscience it's like more sensitive to to, uh, the spirit uh, of Yahshua, the Messiah. And it's not sin-centered anymore, but it's sun centered or Mm -hmm. uh, Yahshua-centered. And there are references, I'll read them, like in Ezekiel uh, 36 chapter, the prophecy about that. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues. So the spirit is, dictates, you know, the conscience of what to do and walk in, uh, do what's pleasing to Yahweh. Hebrews 10, 14, for by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. And Second uh, Corinthians 1 and 12. For our proud conscience in this. And we are proud before Yahweh. We are not proud in ourselves. Because it's nothing. It's not our merit. It's uh, Yahweh's gift through Yahshua Messiah. The testimony of our conscience. And the scripture is talking about a clean conscience. And it's, now you can understand by the scripture saying. And I have like one or a couple of minutes and I will be done. Whatever is not of faith is sin. Because if you don't have faith or if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you cannot be right with Yahweh. You cannot help but sin. So sin would be it's not to have faith in, uh, in Yahweh, not to worship him in spirit and in truth. In Acts 17th chapter, it says that now... It says that Yahweh uh, uh, winked at on this time of ignorance, but now commands all men to repent. And to finish up with the scripture reading, John 5 and 24, just read it for me please and I will be done.
2: Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed
5: from death unto life. Right, so that's what Yahshua's done. He took the punishment of sin, of our sin upon himself. He forgave our sin and he gave us his spirit so we can be born from above and have a clean conscience and not break the law, the law of conscience and not sin anymore. So praise be to Yashua, thank you for your attention. Thank you,
0: Sasha. Our next speaker will please be Dr. Dennis Volpe, Dean of the Oceanside California School.
6: Good evening to everyone and I want to go back over to the scripture reading. I want to work with just a couple of things that are in the scripture reading. Now before I start I want to mention that when our founder was given this divine vision and revelation and he began to go out and teach these things, he asked us not to believe him but to make him prove it, prove what he's saying. And that if he didn't prove it to our satisfaction, then we didn't have to believe it. Now the problem was none of us knew, how do you make him prove it? Because our thinking when we walked in the door was simply this. That when it comes to God, it's not a matter of proving, it's a matter of you just believing. And that means having blind faith. But he made us aware that Yahweh set up his purpose and set up his doctrine so that he would set up what is referred to as witnesses. In your Bible, it's talking about, we're compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses. And that those witnesses are what give validity to who the Messiah was, and what his mission was when he was in the earth plane. Now, in our scripture reading tonight, Yahshua talks about He makes a statement that I want to bring your attention to. I want somebody to go ahead, start at 30.
0: John 5 and 30. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true.
6: Now stop right there. Here is the one that we say was the Son of God. I'm talking about when we were out there in the churches. That This is the Son of God in the earth plane who said that I am the truth and I am the way. Now he's saying if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. So what he's basically telling us is this. Just because I say something, just because I make a claim that I'm the Messiah, does not make it true. And this is the Messiah, this is Yahweh Elohim, walking around in that body, telling you that if he bears witness of himself, that does not mean or make it true. Why? Read.
0: There is another that bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You sent unto John, and he bare witness unto the truth. But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that you might be saved.
6: Now listen, he said that there's another that bears witness of Now John the Baptist bore witness of him, and called him the Lamb of Yahweh that came into the world to take away the sins of man. Now, John had the Holy Spirit. But Yahshua said, I don't receive testimony of man. Why? Keep reading.
0: He was a burning and a shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than that of John.
6: Now, Yahshua said that he has greater witness than that of John. Now, actually, John the Baptist was prophesied about. And when he came in, he was charged in his office to be the one to announce the advent or the coming of the Messiah. And so when he pointed him out, when he baptized him and when he pointed him out, this was in fulfillment And he says, I have greater witness than that of John. Read.
0: For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me. Now he said that the
6: Father gave him works to finish. Now Christianity says, no, he came to institute and set up works, such as water baptism, uh, communion, and many other things that people try to follow as good Christians. He said, I didn't come to start anything, I came to finish something, and the works that I came to finish are bearing witness of me. Read.
0: That the Father has sent me, and the Father himself, which has sent me, hath borne witness of me.
6: Now even the Father bore witness of him. He said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Read.
0: You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. Read. Read. And you have not his word abiding in you. For whom he hath sent, him you believe not. Read. Search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me.
6: Now here the Messiah tells the Jews, because they were always questioned, well, who are you? Are you a prophet? Who sent you? What's your mission here? They would question him continuously. And he told them, to search the scriptures now when he made that statement the writings of matthew mark luke and john were not even written yet none of the what you call the new testament was written when he made that statement so the scriptures that he's talking about are the law and the testimony or the law and the prophets he said search the scriptures He said, for in them you think you have eternal life. In other words, they thought because they were reading them and studying them up at the temple that they had eternal life. He said, and they are they which testify of me. Now the word testify means bear witness. Now what our founder taught us was this, that the Holy Spirit which was operating all the way down from the Garden of Eden, all the way down through the Messiah, was setting up and he was uh, inspiring, if you will, men to write things. In 1st first, uh, first or 2nd Peter, the first chapter, he said that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. For holy men of Yahweh spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, it was the Holy Spirit that wrote, and I don't mean penned it. We know that Isaiah had a pen, and he wrote what he had to write, and Moses wrote what he had to write, but all of it was dictated by one author. And that was the Holy Spirit, or Yahweh Elohim back there, was inspiring, and by visions, and inspiring them what to read. I mean, what to write, excuse me. Now, what our founder told us was that 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 was set up back there, that was inspired by the Holy Spirit, were witnesses pointing to Yahshua the Messiah. But he also said, this is how we prove our doctrine. Go over and get Isaiah 8 and 20. Isaiah
2: 8 and 20. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them.
6: Now, it says to the law and the testimony. In other words, to the writings of Moses and also the writings of the prophets. If they speak not according to this word, there's no light in them. Uh, Gail, are you reading out of a Zondervan Bible?
2: Yes. Uh-huh. Can you
6: tell me in the margin of the translator what it says there's no light in them means? Sure. Sure.
2: Um, it says in my margin there is no revelation of truth in them
6: Now would you mind reading that again and inserting that in where it says light?
2: Earth, to the law into the testimony if they speak not according to this word It is because there is no revelation of truth in them
6: in other words If you are not speaking according to what Yahweh himself Inspired and dictated in the law and the prophets. It's because you haven't had a revelation Now, why that's important is this. The founder had to teach us how to make him prove the doctrine which he was teaching us. In fact, uh, turn over for a minute now to, I think it's Second Timothy, the third chapter, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that thou hast known the scriptures from, a hu- from your youth. If somebody can find that, wherever it is. I think it's 2 yeah. Timothy 3.
2: Yeah, 3 Might be
6: around 8 or 9, somewhere in there. Uh, no, it's down further. Uh, I think it's 10. 14, 15,
2: 10. I think it's 14 or 15. It's 2 Timothy
6: three ten. Okay.
2: But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience.
6: Now, he said that yeah. Timothy knew his doctrine. Mm-hmm. Well, here's how he knew it. In other words, here's how he knew it was true. Now we'll go down to where um, uh, you were uh, quoting earlier. He said, uh, I guess we're going we're to go down to, uh, go 14. Start at four, Go ahead and read 14 now.
2: But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them.
6: Now listen, he he was taught by Paul himself. Timothy was taught by Paul. And, Paul. and he knew Paul's doctrine. Now Paul was a Pharisee who knew the scriptures. He knew what was written in the Law and the Prophets. Now he never understood what was written in the Law and the Prophets when he was a Pharisee, but when he received a divine vision and a revelation from Yahshua, he now was able to understand what he was reading and how those things witnessed to Yahshua the Messiah. And so he said, continue in the things that you were taught, in other words, that you have learned. 15.
2: And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Yeshua.
6: Now he's telling them that the scriptures were vitally important to cause him to have faith in Yahshua because what? Because the scriptures were pointing Yahshua out. Now when Yahshua spoke, we read today in the scripture reading that he said they didn't believe him because they wouldn't believe his word. They weren't going to receive eternal life. Well, Paul, if you know... Uh, uh and have read in acts of the apostles after he had his vision in revelation he went out trying to convince them concerning Joshua, both out of the law of moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening keep reading
2: 16. all the scripture that is given by inspiration of yahweh and is profitable for doctrine For reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness.
6: Now, the scriptures, which are the law and the prophets, are profitable for doctrine. So that if there are doctrinal issues or questions, they can be addressed and solved by going to the scriptures. Keep reading.
2: 17. That the man of Yahweh may be perfect, thoroughly.
6: So what the Founder taught us was that going to the Scriptures, he showed us how to do that. He taught us how to use the Law and the Prophets to be able to witness to the doctrine that he was teaching us. So that we could have confidence, not just because he said it, but because the Scriptures backed up what he was saying. In fact, the Scriptures were expressed in such a way that there were principles that he was showing us that were in those scriptures by uh, pointing these things out and breaking them apart for us, as we say, breaking them down, that we realized, even after many of us had read the Bible and thought we knew the scriptures, maybe before we even came into this class, that that Bible was written in a mystery, and that the purpose of Yahweh is hidden down in there. But once it's taught and it's expressed and shown to you, it speaks a language that it's, it's a language of Yahweh writing line upon line. Now I wanna to go to I wanna to go to Isaiah. Uh whom shall he teach 28, knowledge?
5: Twenty-eight, nine and ten.
6: Is that Isaiah twenty-eight, nine? Right. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and start Isaiah 28 and 9. Isaiah 28 and 9.
1: Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine?
6: Now the question is asked here, whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Now those people back there under the law, they they would recite the scriptures all the time, because they thought that's what Elohim wanted them to do when he spoke in the law from Mount Sinai. They would just sit there and recite these scriptures and write them down and wrap them around their arms and all kinds of things. But they did not have knowledge. And also they did not understand the doctrine of Yahweh. So whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Read.
1: Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast.
6: Now, what the milk and the breast are analogy to is the practices that were set up back under the Mosaic law, the carnal ordinances, such as uh, the Passover supper every year, and feast days, and holy days, and all the things that they did back there that were nothing more than types, shadows, and allegories. And that was given to them because they, being carnal, could not understand something spiritual in nature. They needed to have some kind of physical interaction, some kind of a physical demonstration for them to be able to follow anything about Yahweh. But that wasn't enough because those things were pointing to something greater, which they, at that time, did not even have a clue that these things are not really what the uh, uh, Creator wants. He's using these things to illustrate something to us. Now, there's even a scripture where it talks about in, in, in the prophets that Yahweh does not want any more sacrifices. Because every time ta- every time they sin, they just offered a sacrifice and it didn't stop them from sinning because they figured, well, this sin will cost me a bullock or this sin will cost me a goat or whatever the case might be. Now, Yahweh got tired of that. And there came a point where Yahweh even took away the Ark of the Covenant. Because every year there was a ceremony that was set up under the law called the Day of Atonement, where the priest went in, stood before the Ark of the Covenant, and received then a flash of a vision of Elohim on the mercy seat that was significant that it would show that he had forgiven them their sins because of the atonement the high priest made. Well, there came a point at the time, I believe, around Solomon, that uh, uh, they were uh, going to be taken into captivity sometime after that, and Jeremiah wrote about this. And so what happened is, so that the, so that the, uh, uh, the captors, uh, I believe maybe the Babylonians, if I'm not mistaken, wouldn't get their hands on the Ark of the Covenant, Yahweh instructed Jeremiah to bury that co- that Ark in a cave, and Dr. Kinley said it's in that cave to this day, and no man will ever find it. Now, Yahweh took away, he took away the Ark of the Covenant about 500 years before the time of the Messiah. So there was no more Day of Atonement from that point forward down to Yahshua. Because it wasn't those physical acts that Yahweh was after. That's not what pleased him. So whom shall he teach knowledge? Whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Read.
0: them that are weaned from the breast and I'm sorry, weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts our precept must be upon precept
6: now precept, precept has to be upon precept read
0: line upon line, line upon line here a little and there a little
6: now listen, if you go out to a rabbi or you go out to a priest and ask them well what is the precept upon precept and line upon line they don't know why? Because what lined up the purpose of Yahweh is the tabernacle. They didn't understand the the significance of the tabernacle. They think the tabernacle was just a portable church, a portable sanctuary for God to dwell in. That's what they think out there. They didn't realize that it was a pattern by which Yahweh would operate his purpose and plan, and that each aspect of that pattern had a principle associated with it and that those principles repeated over and over and over again down through the Law and the Prophets. Now this is how doctrine got established according to what Yahweh set up. He set up a pattern so that the principles of the pattern would repeat and repeat and repeat, so that at some point those principles, those manifestations, would become witnesses to something greater that would be revealed after Pentecost. Now, I'm telling you all this because this is the way Doc taught us how to how to prove doctrine. If there's a doctrinal issue, if there's a doctrinal dispute, I don't care if it's with a Catholic, whether it's with a Jew, whether it's with somebody right in the IDMR. We still have to show how Yahweh has established that doctrinal principle line upon line and precept upon precept. Now, that being said, when I came into this school, one of the things that was taught to us, because Dr. Kinley said this, he said, I don't appreciate you going along with something just because I said it, if it's not real with you. Now, what makes it real with you is when you see the evidence for your own self and you believe it because you know it to be true, not because it sounds good and, you know, it's something that sounds good and this Dr. Kinley is a pretty charismatic person, None of that was the reason why you were supposed to accept anything that he said. It was because you saw the evidence that supported it, that you recognized the validity of it based on line upon line and precept upon precept. So, what I'm telling you is that we used to say this years ago, and I still say it today. Doc said is not a witness, and Doc himself said that. Yahshua said, just because I claim something doesn't make it to be true. It's the works that I do that the Father has witnessed, that he has sent me, and that the scriptures are witnessing to me. That's what he wanted them to see, that he wasn't making claims that were not scripturally based. So, when I make the statement that we don't want to hear what Doc says, I don't mean that we don't want to hear what Doc says. It's okay for you to quote Dr. Kinley. It's okay for you to quote transcripts. But the buck does not stop there. Because quoting Dr. Kinley requires then you understanding correctly the application of what he said. And this is where differences come up sometimes. People will quote Dr. Kinley and have a difference of how they see that playing out. Now, what we need to do is establish, however we see it, whatever we think Dr. Kinley said, we need to go back into the law and the prophets and bring that principle down, repeating over and over again, for that to be shown that this is Yahweh's principle or doctrine. And so what I want you to understand is that I am by no means trying to diminish the importance of listening to SoundCloud tapes or quoting the founder, or using a transcript, but don't leave it there. If something is being discussed where there's a doctrinal difference or issue, you can quote the founder. Now, where's your witnesses in the Law and the Prophets to back up what you're saying the founder said? That's what seals the deal, is when you prove it, bringing it down through the Law and the Prophets, and that's what verifies the correctness and accuracy of doctrine. That's why Paul told Timothy that you should stay with what you learned as a child in the scriptures. Because all the scriptures that are given by inspiration are profitable for doctrine and for correction. So, uh, I don't want anybody to think when I say these things, that I am trying to diminish what the founder said in a transcript or what he taught, what you hear on a SoundCloud tip, because I'm not. I use the founder all the time myself. I quote him. I uh, refer to transcripts and so on. But then I like to go back and show you the groundwork that establishes that back in the Law and the Prophets so that you can put your confidence in it because it's established by what's in your Bible. Okay, i got about ten minutes left, so... All right, so uh, the point simply is that this is the way that we prove anything. So let's go ahead and go back over to the scripture reading for a minute. He sees it, Rick. John five. Um, All right, so we're in John five. And we stop where he talks about uh, search the scriptures, and I want you to pick it up from there.
2: 39. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me.
6: Go ahead and read.
2: And you will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men. But I know you, that you have not the love of Yahweh in you.
6: Now, Yahshua's never been trying to be popular. That was never his intent, to be popular. He knew that he was going to be an outcast, and he knew he would be rejected of men, because that was prophesied over in Isaiah. And so, hes you know why he's rejected? Because he tells them the truth. What he was teaching was opposing their doctrine. They thought their doctrine was correct because they thought they read. And listen, here's what the Jews did. They took the law and came up with their own interpretations from the law. They came to Joshua and asked him, Why do your apostles eat without washing their hands? And Yahshua said, uh, said to them, It's not what goes in the mouth that defiles a man, but what goes out. And then they even question him about healing on the Sabbath day. They never understood the principles of the very things they were reading about in the scriptures, and this is where it gets into gets sticky, so to speak, when people read the Bible and they'll go over there and quote up, say, "See, see, see, it says over here." You follow that? Uh, you're not. Uh, no, no work is supposed to be done. And therefore, you shouldn't be out healing on the Sabbath day. Because they didn't know the true spirit of the Sabbath day or intent of it. And that's where people get hung up. And here's what really has to come into play. Yahweh has a purpose that is hidden in the scriptures. It's not known by mankind. Nobody knew the purpose of Yahweh from Adam all the way down to the day of Pentecost. And after Pentecost, the only ones that knew the purpose were those that received the Holy Spirit. Now, that purpose, ladies and gentlemen, is witnessed in the scriptures by manifestations, allegories, and things that occur down through the Bible. And once you know how to line it up according to the tabernacle and use the law and the prophets correctly to illustrate these principles, those principles that you're illustrating are the true witnesses to the doctrine we teach under the New Covenant. So just quoting a scripture, verbatim, because you opened up Strong's Concordance and found a word, and you read that scripture, is not a witness. A witness is when you can express and explain and break it down, and show that principle, how it's being made manifest, in some aspect of what's written down in the Law and the Prophets. Now you say, well, gee, you know, that sounds like that's a lot of work, and gee, that's awful hard, I don't know how to do that. Well, that's because it takes a revelation to do it. You don't work up on this stuff. It has to be revealed to you in order for you to express it. But Dr. Kelly said if you can't prove what you're teaching down through the law and the preft, you've got no business getting on the floor and teaching it. So I'm only saying this for this reason, because there's been issues... Uh, where people disagree on certain points and I'm trying to talk about the way that we can solve the, the the differences is by going into the book and backing it up down through the scriptures and doing it the proper way And we can use Dr. Kinley transcript as a basis. we can say hey doc said this over here great now let me show you how that's proven down through the scriptures what doc just said And so anybody can quote the Bible, and make a scripture fit what you want it to fit. That's why we have thousands of different biblical religions in the world. Everybody's got an interpretation of what they read in the Bible, and they're trying to perpetuate their religion as being the correct interpretation of that scripture. Now what we've got, we've got a methodology, if you will, spiritually so that the founder taught us, and we know that that methodology is solid because it taps into something that is not really understood which is the purpose. So everything must be explained and tied into the context of the purpose that Yahweh has set up from the beginning that he is uh orchestrating down through the law and the prophets and what end that purpose is bringing us to. So I'll just say that's a conclusion. I know that I got a 5 minute sign uh, but I, uh, instead of going over, I'll try to summarize by simply saying that uh, please do not get the idea that I'm ever trying to discourage anybody from reading transcripts or using them in any way, shape, or form. I love the transcripts, I love the SoundCloud tapes, and I love quoting the founder. But I love being able to go back in and show... What, when Joshua reveals those principles that the founder taught us, how it's manifested down through the book that solidifies and makes it valid. And Dr. Kinley said, what we want you to do down here is be able to stand on, this is what he told me, he said, I want you to be able to stand on your own two feet, independent of me, and challenge the world. Now, I can't do that if I'm not confident that I have the evidence or the witnesses to support it. But that's what makes it real. So what we have to do is learn to follow the Spirit. Let the Spirit direct us and let the Spirit open up and reveal these things to us. And then you will not be able to help but get up and run down and express those things that have just been revealed. I hope that makes some sense. I hope you got something out of it. And with that, I will turn it back to the moderator. Uh, Hallelujah, peace and Yahshua.
0: Thank you, Dennis. Thank you to everyone for joining us this evening. Our Madison class holds Zoom class every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We hope you will join us again. Just a reminder to please stay muted until the live stream has ended. We will now be dismissed by the doxology taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise Yahweh, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever, let us all say, hallelujah.